With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is John Couture. He is the owner, founder, and chief everything of Beer Station, which is a craft beer tasting bar bottle shop. He's going to explain that concept to us, but big rising company here in the Kansas City area. Welcome to the show today, John. It's good to be here. He's also one of our 2016 25 Under 25 winners, so congratulations on that, too. Thanks a lot. We always love having all of you come out and tell your story to the public, and it's just one part of the way we can showcase all the good that you're doing here in the Kansas City area. So tell us about Beer Station. What was your inspiration for it? Well, um, in about 2006, my best friend and I, our wives were both expecting our first children. And we thought that uh, we talk, talked loosely about doing some sort of you know, long-term beer thing before we were when we retire or something. And we decided that we really liked the way Europeans presented beer and the European beer culture. So our wives uh, let us go very kindly on a quote-unquote business trip to Europe, um, and we went to Germany, Belgium, and the Netherlands um, to try to just kind of research and kind of get a sense for what we liked about a beer culture. Nice wives. Yeah, I know. They're (laughs) wives of the year that year. And what we found over there was that what we really liked was that there's basically like a European beer cafe vibe. And by that, I mean it's, um, you know, there's older people, there's people with kids. It's much more laid back than the American bar scene. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more community oriented. Um, and that really appealed to us. So we were in um, Cologne, Germany, and we toasted there and said, if there's ever a concept that we both felt could be viable, that we would just go for it, that life's short. And we toasted there. And um, a couple of years later, I discovered this uh, concept called a tasting bar bottle shop that mm-hmm. started in Portland, Oregon. And it's essentially a blend between a tavern and a package store. So you go in there, there's, you know, large selections of to-go beers and bottles. But you can also, there's also, you know, food and drafts so you can hang out, try things on on draft. And then, you know, if you find something there you like, you can grab a bottle to go. Or you can pick Mm -hmm. a bottle out and drink it there. It's the best of both worlds for beer people. And then um, I I found a place in St. Louis called 33 Wine Bar which actually is the wine version of this. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, it's in Missouri. It's like, surely this should be legal. Right. We maybe try to do this in Kansas City. 
Um, but it wasn't. <laughs> yes, and that and and we're going to talk about that a little bit more here as we go on. So you had you you went on this trip to Europe, fell in love with the European uh, craft uh, beer scene, and and the way that it's really just a part of life. Uh, it really, the way you described it, sounded like it, it's just embedded in their mm-hmm. lifestyle. And so you wanted you thought you would replicate that if you ever had the opportunity when you got back to Kansas City. Uh, was there any besides the trip? Was there any kind of an influence, entrepreneurial influence in your life? You know, I had um, my, my first job out of college was in uh, public and media relations that kind of morphed into video at the UMKC. And I created there the the first online video magazine about uh, student life in the country mm-hmm. um, in 2000. And so I kind of always had like an entrepreneurial bent. Um, I, I tried a couple of things and nothing ever like clicked as far as like a long-term uh, endeavor. So I got kind of had that little bit of the entrepreneurial spirit, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And so I just I always wanted to kind of create something. Yeah. So it kind of like this kind of was in my blood, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. So the bug bit you, but you just didn't know how it was going to express itself. Huh? Exactly. And and this beer concept was, was the thing. Now, you were talking about the beer tasting bar bottle shop model uh, structure, and it's the only one in the Midwest, mm-hmm. right? Now, as you were saying, when you... Uh, decided that you were going to pursue this dream, you found out that it was not legal, even though the concept in, in St. Louis was legal with the wine, it wasn't legal where you wanted to set up your place. So mm-hmm. tell us about what you had to do before you could even open. Okay. And it, we, there have been some that have opened since we've opened in mm-hmm. the Midwest, but we were oh, the okay. first in the Midwest the in first. 2012. So okay. I think there's been like one in Columbia and things like that. Mm-hmm. So they've started to sprout out more since then. But um, essentially, I uh, found out that there is an ordinance called the 80-20 ordinance in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, essentially, what it was, was it protected people in underserved areas for from people that taking advantage of them. So essentially, that if there was a, there were people were opening up bars, um, really low rent bars, mm-hmm. and then people would get overserved, and then they'd serve them beer to go, and they wander in neighborhoods and create mm-hmm. problems. Okay. So as a result of that, there's this ordinance that uh, prohibited the amount of to go beer or alcohol you, that taverns could serve. So um, I worked with Councilman Glover at mm-hmm. the time. He was a really big advocate for us. Um, and he and Councilman Sharp, um, they basically understood, they, they knew that, the, they, and they talked to regulated industries, and they understood that there was a market for something like this with craft beer, and that's not the type of, um, the craft beer people weren't making any problems in the city. So right. they wanted to figure out a way to work, uh, create an ordinance, uh, to basically uh, redo the ordinance to uh, protect the neighborhoods, but also allow us to open. So they, they basically worked together with regulated industries and the mayor's office, and um, they passed, and they basically redid the ordinance um, and unanimously and with the mayor's support. Wow, that's a different kind of ch- challenge to get your business off the ground. A lot of people come in here and tell me about their capital situation or, you know, finding uh, a location or this or that. You had to get an entire law changed in order to even open your doors. How long did that take? What's that process like? Boy, it took a while. I um, imagine. You know, we had to... Um, uh, Polsonelli, I got some lawyers mm-hmm. from Polsonelli, and they were super great to us. They um, they knew we were a, a new business, and we didn't we had didn't have unlimited resources, right. so um, they really worked with us in the beginning. Um, and so it was probably about a year to mm-hmm. almost a year to since when we first actually talked to people until um, it actually got changed. You know, as you're talking to me about that, it strikes me that 
everything's really on hold because it all hinges on whether or not you're going to get this law passed but or changed. But at the same time, how do you move forward with other opening day types of things? Um, how did you handle that? Well, I felt, I, there were indications that it might it might be done, but it might take a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of dove in and um, I took a Kaufman entrepreneurial uh, course. Mm-hmm. I had a business coach. Um, and it was the uh, Urban Entrepreneur Program. Yes. Basically, I was I was paired with a, a co-business coach who had experience in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. And so I basically dove in doing a business plan um, and just trying to put it all together, assuming that the law would be changed. So I didn't know for sure, but I thought just got to move forward. So you have this business plan. You're ready to open. You've talked about you already had the model you wanted to uh, pursue, a tasting bar bottle shop. What were some other elements of that business plan, aside from the model that you were going to be following, that that you know you really wanted to achieve i mean you're part of the community obviously mm-hmm. what what are what are some of the things in that business plan that that were important to you? Well, one thing we wanted to do was to truly give our customers a say in how we were run. Um, I know people that give lip service to, you know, always listening mm-hmm. to customers, but we really did more. We actually had um, a pretty good, strong Facebook presence and we allowed customers to give input into um, what beers we carry, what kind of, you know, what, what they wanted to see, what kind of food they wanted. Um, and we've kind of felt like that we wanted to make this a more approachable kind of beer bar. A lot of um, a lot of craft beer bars sometimes get a reputation for being a little bit snooty. Um, the people who work there are, um, you know, if you, people are afraid to order something, yes. cause they might be like, you know, they might feel like some, they might be critiqued. Uh, so I, I wanted to hire people who were, we call them beer enthusiasts, not beer snobs, and make sure that, you know, beer geeks would feel comfortable there, but total newbies would feel welcome. And, you know, I told every single person that I hired, I said, you know, if someone comes in, they ask for a Bud Light or, you know, Coors, whatever, just we carry it. We'll get it for them with a smile and say, you know, they might ask them to kind of like, why don't you try, try a free taste of this and see what mm-hmm. you think. And give them a little taste of something else that we think they might like and then open the door to, for them. Exactly. So that's one of the big differences, I think, that we, we tried to identify early on. Well, and I, I totally have experienced what you just talked about because I don't like beer. I'll just say that. I don't like beer. And so my kid took me into your store, your your place one time and I was fully prepared not to drink anything and whoever was behind the bar that night said oh come on he goes what do you like do you like um tell me some things that you like and I said I like fresca and he goes I've got just the beer for you and sure enough it was wonderful it tastes like it not exactly like fresca but very much like a fresca (laughs) so you you found something that even I like and I'm not a big beer fan we're going to take a quick break here when we get back we're going to be talking with John about beer station and the community because they're a real fixture in the short time they've been there they've been a real fixture in not just the Waldo community but in the Kansas City community we'll be right back parenting your daughter just had her first breakup do you a put yourself in her shoes how could he do this to you and for sheila she she has split ends b console her oh sweetie this is going to happen a lot four maybe five more times before you get married c take charge gotta get this all straightened out keep a little talking to man to man mano a mano hey steve now a good time no Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single, boys. Never mind. 
How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Interested in growing your business? Thinking Bigger Business Media has the resources you need to grow your company to the next level, whether it's an aspiring business, a startup, established, or mature. Thinking Bigger provides the how-to strategies, critical connections, and key information to make your business more productive and more profitable. Check them out at ithinkbigger.com and find out what successful Kansas City business owners already know. Thinking Bigger Business Media is the resource for growing businesses. Visit them today at ithinkbigger.com. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is John Couture. He is the owner and founder of Beer Station in Waldo. He's also one of the 25 under 25 winners in the class of 2016 that we're going to be celebrating here on February the 27th. Hope you can all come out and help us with that celebration. Now, as we were ending the show, you were talking, or in the first half, we were talking about how you don't want to be a place for beer snobs, that if somebody wants to come in and get a Bud Light or a beer that tastes like a Fresco like I wanted to, that you want to honor that, that you want to be able to um, serve anybody who comes in and make it, them have a good experience. Now, you have received lots of honors in addition to the 25 under 25, uh, for example, Draft Magazine in both 2014 and 2015 has called you the top 100 U.S. beer bars. So that that's a huge honor, and I know that's really important to you, but I also know that your involvement in the community is as important as these awards are. Can you tell us about why that is? You know, I wanted to take an approach with this business. I'm I'm pretty progressive-minded in general, and I wanted to create a business where I felt like I could give back to the community and treat our staff well. Um, So when we opened, uh, we really had to make a lot of decisions about how we were going to run the business. One of the things I decided to do was to pay a a higher starting pay for our staff than most other Mm -hmm. bars would. Um, most bars give their bartenders, for instance, uh, the Missouri minimum bar wage, which is like two something dollars an hour, but mm-hmm. we'd start at a lot higher than that plus tips. And what we decided was we would rather spend more money to keep good people than to cycle through people. And, um, as a result, we've had very low turnover and we want, we felt that we wanted to treat, my goal wasn't to get filthy rich with this. Mm-hmm. My goal was to work with a bunch of people that I consider friends and uh, give everybody quality uh, quality of life experience while working somewhere they enjoy. Um, we've also tried to find ways that we can give back to the community consistently. Uh, we do a lot of um, charity events where mm-hmm. um, craft beer, the craft beer world also tends to be pr- pretty progressive, and they're very uh, willing to donate to help uh, the community. So we do tons of fundraisers where a uh, brewery will donate a keg, and then we'll donate all the proceeds from that keg, all the sales, plus like a percentage of our, our drafts that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel that there's a lot more. There, every time we see an opening to help the community, um, I think it's just, a, I believe in good business karma. 
and I think that we try to do that. Right. Well, and, and let's just go back for a minute to your belief in the higher wages, and that reduces turnover. But in turn, that creates an even better experience for your customers because you have these experienced people behind the bar that aren't turning over every few months, and they get to know the customers, their preferences, what they suggest, what they might want to try if you've got something new. Uh, so so it all works out in that way. And you're talking about the community uh, and how you it's important to be a part of it and the fundraisers that you have. But you also um, mentioned in the last segment about how you get customer input. And there's one particular story you have where you really tried hard to establish a bond with an individual customer that turned into uh, a very successful Veterans Day fundraiser. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, um Angela Yanni Caruso is a fantastic, uh, one of our just great customers. And uh, she was deployed to Afghanistan a few years ago. Um, and she, while she was gone, uh, we held a um, kind of like an Oktoberfest event. Mm-hmm. And she sent us a Facebook message uh, saying that she's so sad that she couldn't make it, uh, that she really wanted, that's, that's her type of beer. And so um, I promised her that when she came back, she thought she'd be back a little bit before Veterans Day that we would redo the event and um, do a um, do a fundraiser for the Wounded Warrior Project. So she was thrilled, and it was just a really great way that our, our, our customers could see how we connect personally with people. Mm-hmm. And so when she came back, a lot of people were there to thank her for her service, and we had a fantastic fundraiser and raised quite a bit of money for the Wounded Warrior Project. Yeah. Now, we were talking about influence a little bit earlier. Obviously, you're exerting your influence throughout the community. Um just on the craft beer industry, though, our Legacy Award winner this year is John McDonald with Boulevard Brewery. Uh, did he have any influence on you at all? Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, Boulevard has a very special place in our hearts, and I mean that truly. Um, before we opened, uh, I I had a friend who worked for Boulevard, and he was able to um, get a meeting with myself and him and John McDonald right before we were opening. Coincidentally, John McDonald has a very strong fondness for the European beer presentation mm-hmm. as well, and he really understood our concept. Boulevard um, donated um, quite a bit of – they couldn't donate money, but they could donate someone to help us, their, their draft expert, to set up all our drafts. Uh, we just paid for the equipment, and they they lent his skills, which is actually fantastic for what Absolutely. we needed. Um, so th- I definitely say that Boulevard is – they they practice what they preach and they really believe in the community beer scene in the community, and as a result, you know we try to have Tank Seven is our one beer we have try to have on tap all the time. Boulevard Tank Seven, mm-hmm. most of the other taps we just rotate. We don't dedicate to any beer, but that's kind of our thanks to Boulevard for. Um, all the initial support they've given us. Yeah, they they have influenced the craft brew uh, scene here in Kansas City and really throughout the Midwest so much. Um, thank you know for over the years, and it's it's really great to be talking to somebody that that he did influence and how he did it. Now you are innovating yourself. You have uh, reimagined, as you've put it, some of the services uh, that you can offer that would make that craft brew experience even more fun and satisfying for your customers. Uh, talk to us about what some of those are. You know, when um, before we opened, uh, the st- core staff I had hired, we all sat down in a group and we talked about the things that um, we felt could be done better in bars and in just in retail situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and we tried to figure out ways to apply them to beer station. For instance, a lot of places will only do full pours. Right. And, you know, if you want to be a responsible driver, you can you don't you can't sit there and have some of these higher alcohol beers and have 
two or three or four, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but so we decided that um, we would have everything available in small pours as well. Uh, I think a lot of places don't do it because it's a little harder to pour into small glasses. Sure. Mm-hmm. But we figured that it was worth the um, worth a little bit more time, and it would allow people to try a wider variety of beers. Mm-hmm. We also have a very um, open policy to um, let people try tastes of things. Um, you know, some places get a little bit um, reluctant to do that, but uh, within reason, we want to make sure people try it and get. See, see how many different flavors there are out there. Sure. Um, and we also just try to be a little bit more um, engaging with our customers and get to know them better. A lot of our, there's a lot of uh, relationships and friendships that develop between our, our customers and our, our staff. You also have a digital tap list that's mm-hmm. different too. Yeah, we were the first in Kansas City to implement this. Um, it's called Digital Pour, uh, something we found in Portland. Um, it Basically what it does is it allows you to see everything that's on tap it tweets out every time a new beer goes on tap, mm-hmm. so people who follow us on Twitter can see every single tap we have. And then also, the favorite thing for people who really like to, to the geeks is that there's um, a display that shows exactly how much beer is left in the keg or indicators. Ah. So people can see if they're how low a keg is getting. So if they come in and they see something's about to blow, they, that might be the first beer they sure. order. So it's, it's just really fun. It's a really fun, dynamic way to see how beer is presented. You also mentioned that, uh, again, that you take input from your customers uh, or your fans over social media, Facebook. What are some of the best ideas that you've gotten? Well, right now we're in the middle of a major renovation, and um, we just purchased our building in uh, November. Uh, And knowing that that was probably going to happen last year, we um, opened up a Facebook survey for our customers and we didn't tell them we were going to, at that point that we were going to buy the building and we were going to do a major renovation. But we asked them, what are some of the things you would like to see? What are some mm-hmm. new, new features or what would you like to see done at Beer Station? And over 1,000 people responded. And the number one and number two things they suggested were more food options mm-hmm. and a better patio. Right now, we are um, this week. We're just getting ready to op- like redo our entire kitchen, and we're just about to break ground on all new patio in front. Wow! Um, and it's still going to be dog friendly. Yes, it is still going to be dog friendly. <laughs> we absolutely love our dog, fr- our, our our dog people. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be amazing. Uh, and so there's other things on the list that they asked for. Um, just even like acoustics, the acoustics weren't very good, mm-hmm. and we just got a lot of input that people said they have a hard time talking in there. So we put sound paneling in. Um, so essentially we just created a checklist and then it was, and we told, we showed people, we said, you asked for it, we're doing mm-hmm. it. And so that's how we directly show people that you do have a say in what we do. Now I've heard a little rumor that you might be extending into Sunday hours. Is that true? Or we are, we, we opened Sunday, um, in 2013. So we oh, are, yeah. Okay. So that was one of the, but that, that is was true. One the rumor is true. That rumor is true. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't get over there enough, but, uh, that was something that came through Facebook too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that was, that was one of the things. What do you do when you get these, uh, suggestions? Do you just start making a list of them? Do you have a a trigger for when you're going to actually follow up on them? Say, okay, a hundred people suggested it, so it's something we really ought to look at. What what is it that makes you finally implement one of the suggestions? Well, obviously, you can't do every single suggestion people ask. Um, of I have to tell you about the craziest suggestion. Yes, I I'd love to hear that. So somebody suggested one of the keg drivers that delivers beer to us said he had the best idea ever for us. In our upstairs beer garden, he said it gets really hot in the summertime, so he said we should put a shower in our upstairs beer garden where people could come in, take a shower, and 
change their clothes and then feel like because they were sweaty in the summertime. And he mm. was completely serious. And I, was, yeah. I didn't know what to say I mean, to him. I was like, that's one of those things where you're like, thank you very much for your suggestion. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you become like a truck stop and get <laughs> beer know, too kind of thing. <laughs> I thought that was pretty – I really had a hard time keeping a straight face in that one. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, most of the time that's just really – it's just people they, – they have a sense for what, what could change, you know, what, what can improve. You know, they're, mm-hmm. you know, even like, you know, women wanting the, the – I, I totally didn't think about the purse, the little hooks for women oh, hanging yeah. their purses uh-huh. on the bar. And I was like, that was the first thing people suggested the first day. So um, there's just a lot – I mean, every, most of the time it's great input. Mm-hmm. And I think I just usually ask our staff, and I, if everybody agrees, we all agree. Yeah, it seems practical, doable, and, and yeah. there's enough people that want it. One of the other things that you do is you try very hard uh, to educate your customers. Tell us about uh, some of those efforts. We've, we um, have an upstairs beer garden where it's, it's a great kind of area for we, – we do it for rentals for groups. So we also do beer education up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, whenever we have, like, um, brewers in town, uh, they might uh, do, like, a session up there on sour beers. Or we're going to be doing something on IPAs in February. Um, we're just beginning to utilize that space more for that. Uh, but we want to kind of bring in people and um, do kind of like, you know, a lot of free, like kind of like learning experiences for people about how to just try different kinds of beer and learn more about mm-hmm. beer. Yeah, exactly. And the glassware, I mean, mm-hmm. we talk about, you know, the people who like wine, that there's very specific glasses. And I think it might surprise some people who aren't into the craft beers that it's just very true of craft beers as well, that there's certain kinds of glassware mm-hmm. that you use to enhance the experience. Yeah, we, we tell people, it's like, well, would you drink a red wine out of a, bo- a bottle? Would you just swig <laughs> red wine out of a bottle? It's like there's, it's the same thing with beer. There's certain, some glassware is more just presentation and fun, like some of the German-style mm-hmm. glasses, like the Liedersteins and things. You know, there's not really a, 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 there's not really a real reason for having that. But there's some things like the tulip glasses, which resemble wine glasses. Um, those are really good for... Um, aromatic beers that you can actually, just like wine, you mm-hmm. know, you pour it in there, you want to smell it, and you're not going to get as much of that smell and aroma and that if you just drink it out of a bottle. Sure, exactly. What's next for Beer Station? Boy, we're, this renovation is huge. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that, that's, a, that's basically um, right now I'm controlling my entire life right now, just trying mm-hmm. to get all these things off the ground. There's more than even I just I said. Um, we're just trying to make that this year is going to be a huge year for us. Um, and we're just trying to transition and keep our um, charm, but I think we're going to get busier as we get this new patio. So that's the one thing I've been kind of thinking about is trying to keep that community feel, neighborhood feel. We really are a neighborhood bar, but not make it too much. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a hard line to to straddle. Yeah. You, well, you've got a lot on your plate, and I know the community loves you. So much success. We'll see you at the uh, gala on February the 27th, and we hope to see all of you out there as well to help celebrate with John and the other 24 companies that we are honoring this year down at the downtown Muehlbach. John, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing with us today. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.